All right. The name of this message is called 10 Blessings uh, of Singleness. 10 Blessings of Singleness. Praise the Lord, brother. I got a brother saying amen. Praise the Lord. I presume you're single. Amen. Well, you have 10 more reasons to say praise the Lord, you know, in a little bit. <laughs> He's good, man. And uh, I'm, I'm giving this message because, you know, we're out of Revelation, so I get to do some topical things. And, uh, and I just, you know, I just encourage you guys uh, that are single to just really pay attention because God, you're blessed if you're a single Christian. Okay, if you're, not, if you're single but you're not a Christian, you can be, have these 10 blessings, but you have to be, come to know Jesus, you know. But I want to encourage those who are single among us, you know. Uh, every person here, whether you're married or not, ha- was single at one time, amen. So you might be thinking, what are you going to say about singleness, Joe? You've been married a long time. Yeah, but I was single for, you know, I don't know, like five, six years. I'm going to get in trouble with my married, my married, my wife. I don't remember my wedding date from the time we met, you know. But uh, I was, I, I did have a girlfriend for a little bit after I became a Christian. I met a gal who can't claim to be a Christian, and we were together for six months, seeing each other. And then uh, after that, I was, it didn't work out because uh, she, you know, was leaning too much toward Mormonism still, you know, and, uh, and I, I gave her all these evidences or offered all these evidences, but if she wouldn't see them, I said, you know, we can't be a couple. And that was heartbreaking, but praise God, God gave me a beautiful wife instead, and he, worked, he always works it out for the good, amen. So he blessed me, amen. So he is uh, so wonderful, but I went for a few years there, probably three, four years after that, you know, and when I, when I started seeing Lisa, uh, during those three or four years, I didn't ask one person out before I saw Lisa. I, I could say met Lisa, but I knew her from high school, you know. And when, I, when she saw me, she was looking through my wallet, and she saw a picture of her sister in my wallet when we were first seeing each other. But her sister was a matron. My, my ex-girlfriend, was, a picture was still in my wallet with her sister, and she was her matron of honor in their, at her sister's wedding. So I was like, I, I can explain that. <laughs> She goes, oh, I know the other girl. Oh, yeah, that's my, you know, my sister's best friend. I go, yeah, okay, <laughs> that's right. Uh, get rid of that picture, though, now I'm seeing her, you know. <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, uh, people are, it's, it's tough being single, especially when you're trying to, you know, see somebody, you know, and we don't, I don't encourage people to date a bunch of different people to see who's right. I encourage you to pray and seek for the skin of God and his righteousness. And then when you see someone, if you're going to spend some time with someone, do it in a place where you're not going to get in trouble, make no provision for the flesh, abstain for all the periods of evil, and see if, you're, if you guys both know the Lord, if you, you know, and so forth, and, and you're attracted to each other, and go from there. But, uh, you know, and, but I'm not saying you can't use, like, like Steve was uh, joking because little, uh, or, you know, Tommy uh, Paneri, uh, he's getting married pretty soon. Tommy, wave, wave over there, bro. Praise the Lord. He'll be getting married pretty soon. We're excited for you, bro. And he has a beautiful uh, wife-to-be, a beautiful bride-to-be. He's engaged, and I love Tommy, and I love her, and I'm so excited for them. And, uh, but Tommy was giving his testimony. He was one of the testimonies at our men's retreat, and Tommy was talking about how uh, when he told his gal, he said, hey, you know, I just want to let you know I, I had a dream about you, you know. And he did. He had a dream about her, and it was an interesting dream. And I won't go into all the details, but it really was something that God used in their lives, and it was pretty beautiful. And, uh, and it was precious. And, and, and then, and, you know, God used that. It was instrumental in them getting together and being married. And Steve came up. He goes, wow, that's a great pickup line, you know. I had a dream about you, you know. And, uh, 
But it's funny because a lot of you don't know the story of Steve and the reason that Steve appreciated that because Steve and Carol, when they met, they have a special relationship too, or a special beginning too. They met at Bible study. He set his eyes on her. He saw each other a few weeks. And then Steve went up to her and he's like, hey, Carol. You know, he didn't know his name, her name yet. He goes, hey, how you doing? He goes, you know, he flexed his, mus- his spiritual muscles. He's flexing his spiritual muscles. He goes, I've been memorizing the book of Numbers. And he says, and I, I just realized I don't have your number. <laughs> and, and, then he, and then he says to her, he goes, you know, can I get your name, your number to put in my extensive prayer list, you know? And she's like, and she was impressed, but Carol's pretty suave too. She's like, you put the word stud in the Bible study, you know? <laughs> I'm like, wow, I was tripping out when they told me this. I'm like, and then Steve's like, Steve's like, it was tripping out. He goes, now I know why Solomon had to have 700 wives. So he never met you. <laughs> and, and, you know, and then he's went, he kind of got a little silly bit after that because he was trying to, you know, and he says, your teeth are like the many, many pearls of great price and your hair descends like the flocks of goats from Gilead. And then Steve, she's like, what? <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, all that's not true except Tommy's part, okay? So that you know. <laughs> In case you're wondering, okay. <laughs> Unless some of it's true, Steve and I don't know, because those are some pretty good lines, brother. You know? uh, <laughs> but it's tough being single. How do you meet somebody? You know? What do you say? You know? And I encourage you to pray and you know, don't use any of those lines unless you really feel directed by the Lord. Those are not like serious lines, okay? I hope. Okay. I came up with the one with Pearls of Great Price, but I read some of those other ones. Uh, the many teeth. But uh, it's interesting. And I never use it. I came up with it when I was putting this study together. Okay. Uh, actually, my, my request for my wife, when I took her up in the hills, we went, went hiking. We love to hike. We still do that. Uh, it was a tough line. It was count, count the cost. And I told Lisa, I said, and this was not funny at all. It was like, I sang to her, you know, I love you with the love of the Lord. I was seeing her crying and uh, stuff, and I think she was crying because I don't have the best voice, but we were, we were crying together, you know, and she's like, okay, I get it, yes, I'll marry you, no, uh, but anyway, with uh, Lisa, I let her know, I said, it, just let you know, and she knew me already, and, and she, I, I started seeing her because I could see she loved Jesus, she was sold out to Jesus, and I needed to make sure my wife was sold out to Jesus, and, and I let her know that if you're going to marry me, I'm just let you know, God may call us to the mission field full-time, where you may be living in a tent in the mission field where it's really harsh, you know. And uh, she said, I do. Guys, that's really, really helpful to you later, not only because you know they're sold out for Jesus, but because when they're like, do you think we'll ever have to get a house? I'm like, do you remember, uh, you know. (laughs) And we plan on never getting a house, but, you know, the Lord had other plans because it was pretty much, in a way, somewhat gifted to us in a way. Anyway, uh, so the Lord is good, but I want to talk about 10 blessings of singleness. And I'm going to have to hit these quick, but there's 10 blessings of singleness, okay? Now, I don't say to people because a lot of people don't realize that if you get married sometimes and God wants you to be single, you're robbing yourself of the blessings that you could have. So I'll never say, I've never said to any single person here. And by the way, I've counseled, I had two gals come up to me couple weeks ago after service. Uh, one of them was a little teary, but both of them had really good questions about, uh, they wanted to talk to me about singleness and just how tough it is, Joe. And they're two beautiful sisters that love the Lord. 
came together and they kind of encouraged each other being single. It's tough. And um, they were saying that there's a lot of guys out there, but they don't know Jesus and they don't want to make any mistakes and there's temptation and everything else. And then we talked about that. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm excited to teach on a message on singleness. I did a whole series years ago called The Significance of Singleness, which you can still get. But I said, you know what, I'm going to address singleness. It's a good thing to address. And by the way, if you're like, man, I'm married, this doesn't pertain to me. Are you kidding? It pertains to you big time. I mean, I'm talking to a couple sisters. I talked to another sister about singleness not long after that. Totally different sister, independent of that other discussion. And encouraged her as well. She actually encouraged me in her own singleness, you know. And, uh, but the Bible says that, you know, brothers, you're supposed to be encouraging your brothers. Amen? Amen. And older sisters, it says, are supposed to teach the younger. younger sisters. So you need to really, whether you're married or not, you need to focus on this because you need to, the Bible says in Romans chapter 15 and 16, Paul says, you are competent to counsel one another. Okay, as Christians, we're the body of Christ. They didn't go, Paul didn't send people to psychotherapists and stuff, man. We have the power of the Holy Spirit, man. We have the word of God. Amen which is we, and God gives us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And the word of God, as scriptures say, is sufficient to uh, equip us for every good work. So I want to encourage you to counsel one another according to the biblical truths in this area because the church is all messed up in this area. It really is. Because a lot of times people look at singles as though that's abnormal. What in the world? Really? Uh, think about it, man. And we're going to see that that's totally unbiblical. And it's because people go, people, are you married yet? Are you still single? I'll never ask a person that. I've never have. I've never asked any of you that when you've been single. You've never heard me that, that come from my mouth. And people are well-intended when they say that. Hey, are you, are you single, still single? Are you married? But, you know, it makes people, puts them in a position, you know, and that they ought not be in because not everybody's called to be married. You know? Do you think people went up to the Apostle Paul and said, are you still single, Paul? To Jesus, Jesus, you're not married yet. Well, that would be ridiculous. Yeah, it would. It's ridiculous to ask that question to a lot of people, you know? And that's be, it's like asking somebody, hey, I'm picking on Steve today. Hey, Steve, are you still married? <laughs> Carol, are you still married? Well, what would they say? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm called to be married. Well, guess what? Some people are called to be single. And you're asking them something that puts them in an uncomfortable situation because they could actually be called by God to be single. So this is a serious talk. I know we've laughed a lot already, but I'm going to get serious now, okay? And uh, so I want to encourage you. One of the first blessings that I think is important is that uh, single people are not second-class citizens in the kingdom of God, okay? Like I said, Paul wrote half the New Testament about, right? Jesus is our Lord and Savior, Amen. In fact, the scriptures tell us in Romans 2.11 that God does not show favoritism. And Peter, who was showing some favoritism, said he learned the lesson in Acts 10.34-36 that God does not show favoritism, that he accepts anybody that will come to him who fears him. Amen? Amen? It's not like some people are predestined to damnation and some people are predestined to salvation. Jesus said, whosoever will may come. Amen? And he, he said, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden. And Paul said, God saved me, the chief of sinners, the, who was single, so he could show others. If he saved me, he could save whoever will come to him. Amen? Jesus died for everyone. It says he tasted death for everyone. Amen? So God is not partial, and there's not second-class citizens in the kingdom of God. And in James chapter 2, verse 1, it says not to hold the faith 
that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ in a spirit of favoritism. So as Christians, we ought not show favoritism. Amen? Number two, number two, if you are single, and if sometimes you feel lonely, if you are a Christian, you are in the family of God. You have a family. Amen? And you need, to, you need to realize that you have a huge family. In fact, our temporal families that we have now will give way to the eternal family ultimately. Amen? I mean, it was tough when my kids moved out. Then I had one left, Josiah. And it was, you know, it was hard to see Holly move out. But, you know, i got to let Chad have her, you know. And then Heather move out. i got to let Adam have her, you know. And I love those guys, you know. I'm grateful for that. And then Josiah was like, oh, man, you know. I just loved when I hear his steps, you know, he'd come in and maybe come in a little late and I'd hear his steps go to the room or it sounds funny, but I'd hear him three or four in the morning, get up and get something to drink or something. And I just loved that. I was like, man, I hope he never moves out. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm like one of those dads, you know. Uh, I love my kids so much and love to see them and the grandkids all the time and everything. But I know that one day he, that they were all going to move out. And I know that one day we're all going to be one big family. I think I'll still know my wife. I'll still know my kids and my grandkids. Amen. But they won't be, my wife will not be my wife anymore in heaven, which we'll see in a little bit. So marriage is a very temporal situation in regard to human marriage. It's important to keep that in mind. We all belong belong to the most important family, and that's the family of God. And you know what the Bible says God does with lonely people? It does with single people. In Psalm 68, 6, I love it. It says, God makes a home for the lonely a lot of people don't even know that scripture is there. Psalm 68, 6. God makes a home for the lonely. And it's the body of Christ. It's the body of Christ. Amen? In fact, Jesus was told, hey, Jesus, your mother and your brothers and your sister, they're out there waiting for you. What did he do? He stretched out his hand. He said, who are my mothers and my brothers and my sisters? But those who hear the word of God and keep it. Another time, Jesus, your mom's out there waiting for you. The one who bore you and, and, and whose breast you fed on when you were a baby. And he said, who is my mother? Right? Same thing. But those who hear the word of God and keep it. That is in Matthew 12, 48, the second, first one I mentioned, and Luke chapter 11, verse 27. You know what Jesus says to single Christians and to all Christians? He says, truly I say to you, this is in Mark 10, 29. Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel, Jesus said, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time not just in heaven, who will not receive a hundredfold families in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands and, perse- and perse- with persecutions. Yeah, it's not the prosperity movement here. Amen. Get persecutions too. And in the age to come, eternal life. Wow. We're all part of the body of Christ. The sisters, when they were sharing, one of them mentioned that you know, we may be a baby toe, right? The Bible describes that we're all part of God's bo- Christ's body. He's the head, right? We're his body. And he says, the hand can't say to the eye, I have no need of you. Amen? Whether you're single or you're married, you're a very, very important part of the body of Christ. And the Lord values you very, very much. Amen? As his child. Amen? You're a child of the Father. Amen. Jesus says you must be born again to what? Enter the kingdom of God. Yeah. We're all born physically, but when you become a Christian, you're born spiritually. Amen? And you become part of the body of Christ. You're born in the family of God. So if you're a single person, praise the Lord, man. You have the most radical. Some of you might think, oh, I wish I was related to Bill Gates. 
Oh, I, wish, I wish I was related to Donald Trump. Or I wish I, well, nah, you know, I know, I know all that really quickly, you know. But man, why? All that baggage? I'm thankful that I'm related to Jesus. He's my Lord and Savior. He's my elder brother. My father is a creator of all things. He created all things through the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ of all things. Trump is poor. Gates is poor. Zuckerberg is very, these guys are so poor. Unless they come to know Jesus, then they could be spiritually rich. Amen. So you guys are, have a radical family, you know. And so it's very, very important to, to keep this in mind. Now, the third blessing is singleness is a gift from God. Singleness have gifts married people don't have, and that gift is if you're single and you've God given you the gift of singleness, not all singles have the gift of singleness, but many single, those who are single have the gift of singleness. In Matthew chapter 19, very, very interesting text, Jesus is talking about you know, they're trying to test Jesus. Is it unlawful or is it lawful to divorce your wife at any, for any reason at all? And I don't have time to get into the whole text there because we're dealing with singleness here. But it's interesting because when Jesus basically declared if, you know, that you have to stay married and if you go through hard times, the implication is there, even when you're going through hard times, you can't just leave your spouse, right? And the Lord says he hates divorce, Malachi chapter 2, right? Jesus says in Matthew 19, what guys join together, let no man sit apart. He says, if you divorce your wife, except in the case of sexual sin, and marry another, you commit adultery. That's heavy. And the apostles, you know what they're like, said, said there? They go, if the marriage is like that, who would want to get married? Now, isn't that interesting? Because there were some of the religious leaders teaching a no-fault divorce, that you can just divorce your wife for any reason at all. They were followers of not... Uh, uh, they were followers of Hillel. Shammai was more conservative. These were two rabbis, the schools of rabbinical schools, Hillel and Shammai, uh, and you know, 50, 60, 70 years before Christ came on the scene. These rabbinical schools were growing, and Hillel was liberal in that area. You could just divorce your wife for pretty much any reason at all. She birthed the bagels. If, you're, if your neighbor heard you guys arguing, some of the Jews would say, I'm talking about how they applied what he said, uh, what he taught many of the Jews later. If... Uh, if you find a gal prettier than your wife, then she's unclean compared to that gal. Then you can leave your, your wife. And that's why you see Malachi 2. That idea was already there even before Hillel and Shammai came around because they were leaving their younger wives who they'd married and now they were older and they were leaving their wives as they are older for younger women. That's where you get that declaration, I hate divorce, God says. So he's saying stay married. And guess what? The disciples like, are thinking, wait, they must have known some really bad marriages. And said, ball and chain is what they're probably thinking. You know, we're, 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 we're stuck in that marriage. Why would you want to get married? You know what Jesus said in response to that in verse 11? Not everybody can accept this, but to whom it has been given. What? Can accept what? That it's better to be single. Some people have been given, gifted singleness. And it gets even clearer in 1 Corinthians. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Paul has a lot to say about divorce there and remarriage and, and uh, singleness and, and staying married and so forth. And Paul is led of the Holy Spirit, writing as a single man, encouraging them, if they have the gift of singleness, to stay single. This, is, this stuff isn't preached enough in the church today. 
even at Blessed Hope. I did a series on it, so I'd refer people to it often. I mentioned singleness and how it's really a blessing throughout, a lot of, throughout different messages through the, through the past. But I thought, man, we're due for a message on this. 1 Corinthians 7, 7 and 8. I wish that all men, Paul says, verse 7, I wish that all men, 1 Corinthians 7, 7, I wish that all men were even as I myself am. However, each man has his own gift from God, one in this matter and another in that. Well, Paul's single. He's talking about, I wish that all men were single like me. Well, why? Look what Paul was doing for the gospel. It's spreading all over the place, man. By the way, if every man was like Paul, Jesus probably would have come back by now, right? Tribulation would have already happened because the world would be evangelized. <laughs> I mean, think about it, you know? Because he was just such a stalwart. But his singleness allowed for that. And then in verse 8, he says, But I say to the unmarried and to widows that it is good for them if they marry, even at, I'm sorry, it's, it's good uh, for them if they remain even as I, single. In fact, look at verse 17. Only as the Lord has assigned to each one, as God has called each, in this manner let him walk. And so I direct in all the churches. Wow. So it's interesting that in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, singleness is a gift from God. Although Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, I recognize he says that not everybody. Let's look at verse 7 again. So I, I kind of read that fast. You need to really focus on verse 7. Uh, yes, yet I wish that all men were even as I myself am. However, each man has his own what? Has his own what? Gift from God. I mean, come on, you can say that. You single people can say that with more gusto. They have their own gift from God. Amen. It's a gift. There's a brother that's rejoicing in that gift, man. That's awesome. Each man his own gift from God. One in this manner, another in that. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, that it is good for them if they remain even as I am. This is Bible, guys. It's powerful when you think about it, you know. And uh, I think it's important that we see what he's saying here. And, and why is that so? Why is it such a gift and such a blessing? Number four. It's a blessing the single person because, for the single person because they can devote themselves more fully to God's work. Why are we here? Why did Jesus leave us here? To be tested and pruned and, and be made like gold. That's one reason. But another reason is to bear fruit by reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? And when you're single, you can do a whole lot of good for God's kingdom, a whole lot of wonderful things to destroy a lot of the enemy's kingdom. Amen? So you can devote yourselves more fully to God's work. In fact, Paul makes that point. Look at chapter 7, verse 32. Look at verse 32. But I want you to be free from concern. One who is unmarried or single is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. Now, I praise the Lord. I'm married, and I get to serve the Lord as a married man. But I know uh, when before I met Lisa, those three or four years, man, I could drop at a dime, I just boom. Someone had a need, I could just go over there and help out. I spent a lot of time with my brothers and sisters in Christ, encouraging them, worshiping with them, seeking the Lord, witnessing with them, all those things. Now I can still do things, and you got two different pictures. Peter's a married man, and he does a lot of things for the body of Christ, amen? I mention him because in the first nine, ten chapters of Acts, you see Peter. But guess who you see for the next 18 chapters or so? Paul. <laughs> Peter kind of is there, but then now you see almost everything's about Paul's ministry, and he's single. Peter was married. Sorry, Catholics, but that's the truth, you know. 
You've got to follow the truth of God's word rather than human traditions. But I want you to be free from concern. Who is unmar- uh, one who is unmarried is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. Verse 33. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife, and his interests are divided. The woman, the, women, uh, the woman who is unmarried and the virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and spirit. Praise God. And single sisters, that's what you ought to be seeking. And brothers, too, to be holy, body and spirit. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. This I say for your own benefit, not to put a restraint upon you, but to promote what is appropriate and to secure undistracted devotion to the Lord. Wow. Paul is talking like this because he wants to secure. I love how he put that. He wants to secure undistracted devotion to the Lord. There are so many single people that are doing so much for the kingdom of God. I trip out. I see the single people in this fellowship and how much they do for the Lord just blows me away, you know? And if I, I think of Robert Severn. Do you go to his funeral, anybody? It was huge. You know why it was so huge? Because he touched so many people as a single man. He was constantly blessing people, going over their homes, fixing things for them, and, and encouraging them, and witnessing, and doing all these things. And there's brothers and sisters like that in this fellowship that are single, and it blows me away, but they're able to minister in a lot of ways that a lot of people are not able to minister. So be encouraged, guys, in that uh, undistracted devotion for the Lord. Uh, because when you're, when you're married, you have your spouse to please. You have to make sure if you're going to have a good marriage— you need to be a blessing to your spouse. You have children. You've got to teach them. You've got to discipline them. You've got to spend time with them. And that takes a lot of time away from them. That's still ministry. still important because you're building arrows for the Lord's kingdom. But you're not able to just, you know, at the drop of a hat, just go and minister to people. So uh, a, a singleness allows more time for ministering to others, okay, outside of the home. Witnessing and sharing the gospel, more time for mission trips, more time for prayer meetings, more time to help the church in areas of need, amen, practical areas that the church needs help, all kinds of things. So it's really, really beautiful when we see that. The fifth blessing, the fifth blessing is the Bible states that singleness is better than marriage. Yes, it does. The Bible says that singleness is better than marriage. And in 740, Paul says a single person is happier if she remains as she is. Then look at 738. So then both he who gives his own virgin daughter in marriage does well. And he who does not give her in marriage will what? Do what? Do better. Isn't that a trip? So a single person, if they have the gift of singleness, that is. Not everybody has that gift, Paul says. Okay, let's get that straight too. Does better than if they are married, than the married person. So it's important that we get this, that we understand this, that, you know, uh, this is really, really, I think, important stuff. In fact, it's interesting because the sixth blessing, sixth blessing, singleness, listen to this, important one. Singleness keeps you, this is an important one, singleness keeps you from many troubles and anxieties. Luke's going back there and he's, don't call your, make sure you get the rest of this message before you call your girlfriend up, Luke. Okay. Because, yeah, it's singleness, man. Some of you guys are thinking, let me think this over. Well, pray about it, you know. I'm teasing Luke, okay. Glad his girlfriend's not here. 
She's a sweetheart. But I'll tell you what, singleness, number six, singleness keeps you from many troubles and anxieties. It's huge. This is why it's better in so many ways, too. Singleness keeps you from many troubles and many anxieties, okay? A lot, of less, lot less conflict, okay? Uh, Paul says when he's talking about being single, he says in 732, I want, to, I want you to be free from anxieties or concerns, depending on the translation. Wow. And then listen, look at what he says in 728, 1 Corinthians 728. Paul declares, quote, but if you marry, you have not sinned, and if a virgin marries, she has not sinned, yet such will have what? Trouble, Trouble in this life. And I'm trying to what? I'm trying to spare you of getting married and having a lot of troubles. <laughs> the single guy's laughing real loud over there, Jim. <laughs> and he's been, he's been both, so he can laugh with authority. <laughs> uh, marriage is good in the Lord, you know. But it has to be in the Lord, man. Uh, he wants to be free of anxiety, 732. And he's trying to keep us from trouble and spare us, 728. Wow. And I just wrote down some of the troubles that come up in marriages. I do did a lot of marriage counseling through the years. I counsel married people, couples and single people. And I've probably counseled thousands of people through the years. And here's some problems that come up sometimes. Not all these have come up in my counseling, but probably most of these. Uh, here's problems uh, that come up. There's like 25 of them right here. And there's a lot more. It's a lot of problems. Less time to serve Christ, which we've just talked about. Marital stress. Lack of intimacy. These are a lot of problems that come up in, uh, with marriages and marriage counseling. Arguing and fighting. Adultery. Lack of appreciation. Lack of attention. Lack of trust. Lack of communication. Lack of commitment. Lack of physical intimacy. Lack of emotional intimacy. Conflicting values. Make sure you're on the same page spiritually, man. You both love Jesus. Jealousy. Gambling, pornography, rebellious children, drunkenness. I've dealt with most of these things with one couple or more at least. A partner's use of drugs, differences on parenting, spousal abuse, child abuse, financial problems and debt, incompatibility. Uh, number 25, the D word, divorce. Okay? Yeah. It's really, really sad. And it's interesting because I just saw a story that was published yesterday in U.S. Weekly, and it was a story about, well, it was a story about a couple that, and they were just married, you know, uh, Jamie Thompson, who's the guy, and, and Elizabeth Bice, they were married to four years ago. And uh, June 30th, just a couple days back, they filed for divorce. And the reason it made national news is they got married on a, uh, some reality show. I guess a reality show. I don't watch these things. Married at first sight. And they celebrated their fourth wedding anniversary in March. But Thompson, Jamie Thompson, the male, uh, they, 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 he announced it June 30th, just a couple days ago. He says, the fighting had gotten really bad. I'm not going to lie. And I said a lot of the things that I really uh, should not have said. I said them out of anger and frustration. But I also haven't felt like I've had any reciprocation back to fix this and, and, and how to move forward. So she's been gone for four weeks. I think that at this, this point it's better for me to focus on myself and trying to become a better version of myself, honestly. 
I made the decision to go ahead and file for divorce for the sake of my own mental health and well-being. Uh, it's not the, uh, that's not a biblical re- grounds for divorce, by the way. Uh, it, uh, it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. It saddens me a lot to be at this point. He says, I was never sure if I wanted to get married anyway, he says, but I sure didn't want to get divorced either, even if it was an arranged marriage courtesy of Hollywood. Well, that's the first problem. You don't, you know, not the first, but one of the problems is you don't let Hollywood marry you, okay? Uh, you, and you need to be married in Christ because you got need of his wisdom, his strength, his guidance, empowerment for your marriage to work out. In 2013, there was a survey done by a relational magazine, uh, uh, journal, actually, Couple and Family Research and Practice Journal, uh, and they, 36 couples participated. And they, these couples, their marriages lasted 12.2 years. And these were the reasons that they gave for the divorce. Sometimes it's more than one reason. 75% gave lack of commitment for the reason they got divorced. 59 0.6 gave adultery, or 59, that's almost 60%, gave adultery as the reason. Too much conflict in the family, 57%. 45% uh, young at the age of marriage. Uh, 36% financial issues. 34% substance abuse. Uh, 23% domestic violence. 18% several diseases or physical, or severe diseases or physical incapacity. So you guys... When you get married, there's a lot of things that can come up, okay? A lot of people are like, rah, 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 I'm going to get married, everything's going to be so great, and then all of a sudden these things come up, and you have to make sure, man, you and your spouse, and I feel so bad for I'm t- Riley and Lauren, you know, they're getting married, I feel really good for you, but I feel bad that you're at this message thinking, but I know what they're thinking, because you know what, they have such a love for each other that they know whatever, you know, that they you know, disagree on the name of the dog, they can have a dog someday, right? They're not going to, it's not going to ruin the relationship. But your love for, your, for the Lord and your love for each other has to be there to overcome these problems. And you can't guarantee that your spouse is going to love the Lord like you do. And you can't even guarantee that you're going to keep loving the Lord because you need to take heed when you stand unless you fall and make sure that you grow in the love of the Lord. Amen? But you don't know what's going to happen with your spouse. You don't know what's going to happen. All kinds of things could take place. So it's important uh, that we get this and that we understand that Paul was trying to spare them from a lot of troubles. And a lot of you married people should be saying, thinking right now, or a lot of you single people are saying, maybe I dodged 25 bullets. You know what I'm saying? Because if God hasn't called you to marriage and you get married, right, and you force it, it could become a very, very sad thing unless you give it all to Jesus. But then again, you can't expect your spouse to give it all to Jesus. So then you have to learn how to rejoice in your trials. You can still have joy in that situation, but you have to rejoice in your trials and seek the Lord. Amen. Number seven, the seventh blessing for singles is you're not condemned if you want to get married. You're not condemned if you want to get married. A lot of singles, they hear a message like this, they're like, God, I'm really blessed if I don't get married. He's already given me six, and now he's on number seven. And I'm so blessed. Do I really, maybe I shouldn't get married. And Paul said, I'm better off if I'm not married. And, and he wishes that every man was like me, I mean. But there's more to that in 1 Corinthians 7. Look at what else he says. Look at verse 9. But if they do not have self-control, a single person, let them what? Marry. For it is better to marry than to what? Than to burn. Now, a lot of translations say to burn with passion, with passions added to the the Greek language. So it can mean to burn with passion. It also can mean to burn in hell. Why? Because in 1 Corinthians 6, right before this, Paul says, don't be deceived. Neither homosexuals, nor effeminate, nor fornicators, 
single people that have sex with other people outside of marriage. And adulterers, they will not inherit God's kingdom. Okay? So it's actually, there's theological debates as to what he means there. But I'll say this. If you are having a hard time having self-control and you're like crying out to the Lord and he gives you a spouse, well, then you won't have to burn with passion as much, right? Because you can have, you know, love toward your wife. And you also won't be burning in hell because you've turned from Jesus to a life of sexual sin, okay? And I'm not saying if you've ever fallen into sexual sin, you're doomed. You are if you refuse to repent. The Bible says, you know, that you have to repent. Because Paul says also to the same Corinthians in chapter 13, 2 Corinthians verse 5, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Christ is in you unless you are reprobate, right? And Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter Chapter 9, he says, I beat my body down. He's a single man. So after I preached to others, I myself would not become reprobate. What does it mean to be reprobate? The Greek word is adakamas. It means to be without Christ. How do I know that? Because Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Christ is in you unless you are adakamas. And Paul beat himself down so he would not become adakamas. And, but there's good news, whether you're married or single, and whether you're single and going to get married, whether you're single and you're going to stay married, and you got the gift, or whether you're single and you don't have the gift, but you're struggling with temptation, Paul goes on to say right after that, let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall, 1 Corinthians 10, 12, and then verse 13, that uh, let no one say when he's tempted, he's being tempted God, right? God doesn't tempt anyone, right? But with the temptation, or actually I'm going back to, I'm going to James right now, James 1, 13, but he says, uh, with every temptation, God is faithful, and that temptations are common to all men. We all go through this. And there's, all, there's millions and millions of single Christians who have victory. He says temptations are common to all men. And God is faithful, who with the temptation will also give you a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Amen? So you need to seek the Lord and his power and his grace, his word. You need to fear him. You need to love him. You need to worship him. That's what the church is lacking. A lot of, a lot of churches lacking the fear of God, man. They just think they could run them up, commit adultery on their spouses, kill babies in their wombs, and that God, oh, it's all paid for by the grace of Christ. The Bible says, you know, don't be deceived. You, you practice these things, you won't inherit God's kingdom. The Bible says in 1 John, no murderer has eternal life in him. So you can't go around saying, oh, I'll just, you know, fornicate because I'm not married, so I'll just sleep with whoever. And now you're in sin. The Bible says the marriage bed is made, right? God, God blesses the marriage bed, right? And, and uh, what is it? It's Hebrews chapter 13. The marriage dead, it says, undefiled, but adulterers and fornicators, God will judge. So you've got to take this seriously. In 1 John, no murderer has eternal life in him. So if you're guilty of these things, you have to repent and get right with Jesus. It's because churches are teaching, oh, you could do all this stuff and get away with it ultimately. You'll just lose some rewards. That's why the church is living like hell and claiming they're going to all go to heaven. And a lot of people are going to be, a lot of people, the Bible says, are deceived. You have to take these scriptures seriously. Because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 through 16, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And that's not talking about imputed holiness there. That's not about imputed righteousness through Christ's blood. We have that as Christians through faith in Christ. Amen? But it's, that's talking about, it says, pursue peace and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. That's a holiness that you pursue. That means you have a life that's being transformed by the grace of God, and you're being sanctified. But if you're going the other direction... So the, the, the good news for Christians, another blessing that we have is that God gives us the grace to endure our temptation. Yeah. The God, God gives you grace. Yeah. With the temptation, he will also give you, right, the strength to endure it. 
And we often think of grace as what saves us, and that's, and that's what we always champion. We're saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves, the gift of God, not of works as anyone should boast. Amen? But we're saved by grace through faith. We have to have a genuine faith where we're truly trusting and following Jesus. Amen? Amen. But there's also strengthening grace. There's also, like Paul, when he said he had that thorn in the flesh, and three times they begged God to take it from me. But the Lord told me my grace is what? Sufficient for you. So you might say, man, being single, it kind of feels, I know you're saying all these things, Joe. I know what, everything you're saying is biblical, it's true, but I, it's still kind of, a, people ask me if I'm single all the time. Sometimes it's like a thorn in my flesh. Well, guess what? I'm glad Paul didn't define exactly what his thorn was. You know why he didn't? I believe the, that was the wisdom of the Holy Spirit that God gave Paul because he wants us all to be able to relate. We all have thorns, things that we go through. Don't be elbowing your spouse, you know. We all have thorns, you know. Uh, but God said he'll give us the grace to endure our trials. Amen. You need to make sure you're putting Christ first in your marriage and in your life if you are single. So you're not condemned. And the eighth blessing, I kind of jumped to the eighth without, without calling it the eighth blessing, is that God gives us the grace. He gives us, the, gives us grace to be content when you're single. He'll give you that grace. Amen. He'll give you that grace to be content. I know when I was not married... For the, for the three, four years, whatever it was, before I met Lisa, I'm a young, I was a young guy. Healthy, strong, all that, and didn't ask out one girl because I was so focused on Jesus. I was laser focused. And I remember asking my youth leader. And I got saved right when I turned 18. And I asked him, I said, you know, and I was in the college career class, but I would go, to, I was just turned 18. So at first I was going to high school with the high school, uh, then I went to the college career class a little bit. And I remember talking to him about the gift of singleness. And, you know, he wasn't able to give me, you know, specifics like, well, this is... Because I was wondering, do I have the gift of singleness? So I'd just broken up with that gal. And I was not going to seek marriage until I knew that it was okay with the Lord, you know? And, I, and after a while, I realized I don't have the gift of singleness because through that time, deep down, I really want to get married still. And, but then you could have that gift, but Jesus says not everybody can accept it. So you might have the gift and you're just having a hard time accepting it too. But you want to make sure you're not not accepting it because of culture. Because it's going to sound a little confusing, but this is my point. You could have the gift of singleness, but because people are constantly asking you, are you married yet? Are you still single? And, you see it, and people are acting like it's some weird stigma. You might want to get married for the wrong reasons. So you could have the gift of singleness and be pressured to get married when you should not feel that way when you're actually way more blessed not being married. You see what I'm saying? So if you have the gift, so you need to pray. So I sought the Lord about that off and on, but you know, I didn't think about it a whole lot. And there are all kinds of beautiful girls around me and everything else. I was like, I'm just seeking Jesus. I'm in love with Jesus. And the key is being more in love with Jesus than any other person. And you know, to be a Christian, Jesus said you have to put him first. He said, if you love mother or, or, or father or children, or if you love anybody more than me, you're not worthy of me. So one of the ways you get content in being single is making sure Jesus is first. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he'll add all these needs to you. Amen? And Jesus says you can't serve two masters. You'll hate the one and love the other, love one and hate the other. You've got to make sure your spouse doesn't become your master. Make sure that's not the primary person in your life. Because you'll never be happy. I'm gonna, I, there was, old, what was a movie about these bobsledders. Remember that movie? I think it was John Candy played in that. And something that was said was kind of funny. It was like very true. It's like he, he said, I think it was him playing that part. Not that I'm cool with that guy, but the saying was actually quite biblical. He said, if you can't be happy before you have a gold medal, you won't be happy when you get the gold medal. 
In other words, for us as Christians, your joy has to come from Christ. The, the fruit of the Spirit is love and peace and joy and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faithfulness and meekness and self-control and gentleness, all these things. But they're the fruit of the Spirit. Amen? The love of God, it says, is shed abroad in our hearts, Romans chapter 5. That comes from relationship with God and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And with Christ is first, we get to flow in the power of the Holy Spirit to have his joy. So when I was single as a Christian before Lisa and I met, I was full of joy, full of life. Full. That baby, when I met you, same thing, okay. That was not, was, now I'm not like that anymore. I got these 25 problems. No, that's not true, okay. But you're going to go through some kind of conflict here and there. You're going to, we'll have trouble in the flesh, Paul said, amen. So we go through some things from time to time. But, but you keep Jesus first. You seek him first. You're going to have disputes. You're going to have disagreements, stuff like that at times in your marriage. But if Jesus is first, you got the same Lord, the same master as a married couple. you got the same book, the same word, the same instructions, amen. The same Holy Spirit, the same eternal destiny, the same values. Man, your marriage can be really blessed and enriched. So don't go out of here thinking, man, I should stay single. That's what I got out of this message. No, I'm not saying that either. If you're married, Paul says, if you're married, stay married in 1 Corinthians 7. If you're single, stay single, unless you don't have the gift, he says. Okay? Then you can seek a spouse. So contentment is really, really huge. And I know my time is slipping away, and I wanted to say a lot about this, but I'm just going to say this about it. Is in Philippians, Paul talks about the joy he has from... Uh, where are you guys all going? If you're vi- yeah, singleness. I know that's what I think. If, if you're visiting, those guys are going to get ready to pass out communion. I'm kind of messing around. But it's interesting because Paul was single and he was in prison and he was in a Roman prison right near the Philippians. And he's a single guy and he's suffering in prison for something he didn't do. But you know what he's doing? He's talking about the joy of, that we have in Christ. Wow. The joy we have in Jesus. And he's, he says... This happened for the furtherance of the gospel. See, he was focused on Jesus. So you couldn't steal his joy. He says, even the Praetorium Guard and the Palace of Caesar, they're talking about the gospel because I'm here in prison. And he's rejoicing. You find the reasons to rejoice in Christ. You hear things come up like, wow, yeah, guess what? I have more time. I don't have to ask my spouse because I don't have a spouse to see I can go to Ventura at 10 a.m. and go shine the light for Jesus and, and, and save people who are staggering to death. Amen? It's pretty, a lot of good freedom there. Amen? You have a lot of freedom when you're single to serve him, not freedom to serve the flesh, but to serve Jesus. But it's interesting what Paul says. He says in, about contentment, because I was talking to one sister, Sister Wendy. We were talking about, uh, Wendy's been single for some time, right? And we are talking about that about a week ago, and she was talking about how content she is, and she learned to be content being single. And she said that an older sister in the Lord, not, I mean, just a couple years older maybe, is my sister Kathy, you know? <laughs> she said that she said, you know, we just got to learn to be content in Christ, you know? And, and have him first. And she said, I just learned to be content as a single person. And you know what Paul says when he's in prison, you know, probably bound between two Roman guards, like, I'm not out, I want to be sharing the gospel, but I'm, and he's single. You know, he says, I know how to get along with humble means, and I know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled with and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. What's the key? What's the secret? Verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. Yeah. You let Christ strengthen you, whether you're single or you're married, amen, to rely on his power. Rely on him, and you'll be supremely blessed. The ninth reason is there are huge blessings ahead if you're single that us married people don't get. One is, now i got to go through this quick, two left, right? The Lord says of single people, listen to this, 
in chapter 56, verse 4b and verse 5. To ch- if they choose what pleases me and hold fast my covenant, he says, to them I will, give my, I will give my house and within my walls a memorial and a name better than that of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name which will not be cut off. He's talking about single people there. It's all eunuchs specifically. He says, I'm going to bless them with blessings beyond sons and daughters. They can't have sons and daughters. Guess what? They're going to get blessed even beyond that. You need to trust the Lord and say, you know what? When you start saying, I never got married. I never had children. That's time, guys. And not that that's not beautiful. It is. But you have something God promises you in Isaiah chapter 56, verses 4 and 5. He has something way beyond that for you, he says. Amen? Neither neither ear has heard nor eye seen what the Lord has prepared for those who love him. Amen? Thus saith the scripture. Because in number 10, the 10th blessing is guess what? If you're single, you're single. Whether you have the gift of singleness or not, you are getting married. Because these temporal marriages, Jesus said in Mark 12, 25, for when they rise again from the dead, married people, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels in heaven. So guess what? Our temporal marriages, if you're married or singleness, temporal marriages give way to the eternal marriage to our heavenly bridegroom, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the perfect. Well, I want to be married now. You're engaged right now. You're engaged to Jesus if you're a Christian, Amen. And you know all those 25 problems I mentioned? You don't get one of those with Jesus. He's perfect. Amen? Yeah. Can you imagine being married? Can you imagine being Jesus' brother, like James? And whenever he tattletailed, he was perfectly right when he was little. He never got it wrong, you know. As, as, but the cool thing is that when he's your bridegroom, he's perfect. And we are all going to be with him forever and ever. And this is the cool thing. If you're single, whether you think you have the gift of singleness or not, I want to encourage you in this. Very important. The single person is gifted in such a way that they are undistracted and they're able to have full devotion and do the things of the Lord more. Amen? So whether, you think you're sing- whether you're single or not, whether you think you have the gift or not, doesn't matter. Take advantage of that. Serve the Lord in an undistracted way. Amen? Serve Him with all your heart. Apply this to your life and say, you know what? Whether I have that gift or not, you could pray and ask the Lord whether you have the gift or not because there's not a special test you could take biblically. It's just the Holy Spirit will lead you. But if, whether you have that gift or not, if you're a single Christian, use that time to serve the Lord in an undistracted way, amen, with your full devotion. If you're married, live for Christ, amen. amen. If you're a husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church and lay your life down for her, amen. amen. If you're a, a sister, follow your husband's leadership in Christ and, 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 and flourish together as you seek Jesus together, amen, and respect your husband. Let's all please stand and pass out the cup and the bread.